Before we get started today, I'll tell you where I've been. I was out of commission for a while with a cold, and when that cleared up, I went in for some minor surgery. Though I'm not completely recovered, I'm feeling well enough to spend some time talking with you about the radios. And while flat on my back and frankly quite bored, I had some time to do some interesting research, including talking with instructors and supervisors at the FAA's Air Traffic Control Academy in Oklahoma City. Want to hear about what I learned? It's pretty interesting. Let's fire this up and get started. Welcome to Radar Contact, the audio show that teaches pilots how to speak professionally and with confidence to air traffic control. And now here's your host, airline pilot, author, and host of ATCCommunication.com, Jeff Canarish. Full disclosure, in the following segment, I am not in an actual airplane. The entire sequence is simulated. Cessna 9130 Delta, Pensasota Tower. Make right close traffic. Runway 11 clear for takeoff. Cessna 9130 Delta, make right close traffic. Runway 11 clear for takeoff. And we're on our way to practice touch and goes at the Pensasota Airport in northern Florida. 40 knots, 50 knots, let's ease back on the control yoke. There, the nose comes up, and before we can even think about it, our trusty single-engine Cessna is airborne and climbing. Flap lever to up, and the flaps are tracking up. Throw some trim in there. A few seconds later, it's time to turn the crosswind leg. Here we go. It's a nice day to fly. A high overcast is preventing the ground from heating up, I suppose. And the winds are calm, so the air is absolutely smooth. Here comes the turn to downwind. Clear right. Yep. So we'll start the turn. Not only is the air calm, so is the radio frequency. No one has said a thing on tower's frequency. As we roll out of the turn and check our displacement from the runway below, yep, that looks good. We can see there are also no other airplanes on the airport's taxiways. We have the whole place to ourselves. Here comes the traffic pattern altitude. It's time to level off, so we'll reduce some power, lower the nose, do a little trimming. And while we're here, we might as well beat the rush and pull out the carb heat lever in preparation for our descent. Let's select 10 degrees of flap now because we'll be starting downhill towards the runway in just a second. And stop right there. Put the airplane on position and altitude freeze so we can talk a moment. Here we are, frozen in place on downwind leg, preparing to begin our descent around the last third of the traffic pattern in a setup to perform a touch and go. Given that we are the only thing moving above or on this airport, what is the next thing we expect to hear from Pensasota Tower? I'll tell you why I ask. I recently got an email from a listener who had a pretty strong opinion about the meaning of the tower clearance, make closed traffic. He cited the definition of closed traffic in the aeronautical information manual, which reads like this, quote, Successive operations involving takeoffs and landings or low approaches where the aircraft does not exit the traffic pattern. That's the end of the quote. He felt this definition means a clearance to make closed traffic includes 
or at least implies a clearance to land, touch and go, or make a low approach. He told me he recalled practicing touch and goes at an airport where the tower controller issued a make closed traffic clearance to him. And then he ran around the airport pattern for 45 minutes making touch and goes without so much as another word spoken from the tower controller. Well, here's what we know. We know that CFR 91.129, which contains the rules for flying in Class D airspace, has item I labeled takeoff, landing, and taxi clearance, which reads, and I'm quoting, no person may at any airport with an operating control tower operate an aircraft on a runway or taxiway or takeoff or land an aircraft unless an appropriate clearance is received from ATC. End quote. Still, the question remains, does make closed traffic, which by definition includes successive takeoffs and landings, include the appropriate clearance for landing? Or does Tower still need to issue a separate landing clearance for each circuit around the traffic pattern? Truthfully, I didn't have the definitive answer to this question when it came up. So I went to the source. I contacted Scott McEwen, who is the FAA's managing supervisor of the Tower Control Training Unit at the Air Traffic Control Academy in Oklahoma City. The FAA's academy in Oklahoma City is the place where all air traffic controllers in the United States receive their initial training. And Mr. McEwen is at the center of the Tower Controller Training Program. So here's what he told me. All air traffic controllers are trained to issue a landing clearance to each aircraft prior to that aircraft crossing the landing threshold. He said tower controllers are not trained to use the clearance make closed traffic as an implied clearance for landing. He emphasized for each landing aircraft, a tower controller is trained to visually clear the runway environment and make a determination that adequate separation will exist between the landing aircraft and all other aircraft on or around the runway at the time the landing aircraft is anticipated across the threshold. A colleague of Mr. McEwen sat in on the conversation and said in his opinion that any tower supervisor should immediately correct the situation if one of his controllers under his supervision allowed a make closed traffic clearance to serve as a landing clearance as well. Mr. McEwen was quick to point out that his observations are based only on how air traffic controllers are trained not on what actually happens in the field. He said if I had questions about the legality of such a situation, I would need to talk with the FAA's legal department for ATC activities in Washington, D.C. Phew. So where does this leave us? According to FAA training standards, a tower controller who issues a make closed traffic clearance should issue a separate landing clearance each time an aircraft in closed traffic makes a circuit around the airport. So given this information, here's how I would handle the thing. If you ever find yourself approaching a runway without a landing clearance, whether that's cleared to land, cleared touch and go, cleared low approach, or cleared for the option, tell the controller on the radio something along the lines of landing clearance for Cessna 30 Delta, or touch and go clearance for Cessna 30 Delta, or whatever clearance you need. The controller should come back with the appropriate clearance. If he doesn't, this is what I would do, go around for safety and then work through your problem with the controller before your next landing. By the way, you never need a clearance to go around for safety. 
Begin the maneuver, and then when you have your flight path headed where you want it and stabilized, inform the tower you are on a go-around, and if you have the time, the reason. For example, Cessna 30 Delta going around no landing clearance. Listen, I know there are some controllers who, long out of training, will let make closed traffic stand in for a touch-and-go clearance. The listener who wrote to me about this situation is not the first time I've heard about this. If you encounter this problem, this is where you need to protect your pilot's license. If you don't get the clearance you're supposed to get, stay safe and legal. Go around if you must, because if you land without a landing clearance and an incident happens as a result, you may find yourself in an indefensible position. After your flight, under these circumstances, get on the phone with the tower supervisor and talk it over. If your phone conversation does not produce a satisfactory result, I recommend you contact your district flight standards office, we call that FISDO, and elevate the conversation. Although FISDOs have no jurisdiction over ATC, they are deeply involved in flight safety. Your point of contact at the FISDO will be able to point you in the right direction to get your questions answered. One last point about the clearance, make closed traffic, and then we'll wrap it up. I have talked to a tower supervisor in my area about this clearance. The only thing the clearance implies is you may make continuous circuits around the airport pattern without repeated clearance to do so. For example, if given make left closed traffic, you can fly left crosswind, downwind, and final approach over and over again without getting renewed approval for the next left-hand circuit around the pattern. As I said, you still need a landing clearance from tower for each circuit, but your clearance to make left closed traffic continues until it is specifically canceled by the tower controller. If you have any questions or comments about this segment, please feel free to let me know about it by leaving a comment on the webpage that supports this edition of Radar Contact at atccommunication.com. Or if you'd prefer, you may write to me directly at jeff at atccommunication.com. Either way, when I see your comment or question, I'll respond to you directly. I'd also like to point out that all the opinions expressed in this segment were entirely my own. I did have my questions answered, however, from some very good controllers, specifically Mark Sheehy at Boston Center and Rick Schmidt and Scott McEwen, both at the FAA's Air Traffic Control Training Facility in Oklahoma City. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for your help. Another listener recently wrote in and asked if it was ever permissible to cancel your emergency status with ATC after you have already declared an emergency. I addressed this before and I'll say it again. You are always welcome to cancel your flight's emergency status anytime you judge that you are no longer experiencing the conditions that created the emergency in the first place. I use the word welcome deliberately. Although ATC is well-equipped, ready, and willing to manage your emergency status to a successful outcome, canceling your emergency when appropriate is welcome because it relieves ATC of the need to give your flight priority handling. Canceling an emergency also releases other agencies, such as airport fire and rescue services, from attending to your flight. Again, ground support agencies are well-trained and eager to handle aircraft emergencies, but if you no longer need their help, it would be helpful to them to relieve them of the responsibility for your flight. In no way 
No way am I trying to encourage you to cancel an emergency when it is not appropriate to do so. More often than not, if a situation calls for an emergency declaration, you are often safer to carry your emergency status all the way through to landing and resolution of the problem on the ground. Even if it appears, for example, smoke in the cockpit is stopped, implying there's no longer any sign of fire, I'd personally keep my emergency status all the way through to landing and securing the aircraft. What if the fire relights or is migrated to an area of the aircraft where the smoke is not detectable in the cockpit? I'd want to get on the ground as quickly as possible and have an airport fire and rescue service ready to save me and my passengers in case the fire reignites. All I'm saying is, if you're 100% satisfied you are no longer in an emergency situation and you and your aircraft and all of your passengers no longer require priority handling from ATC, you are welcome to cancel your emergency status with ATC. What are the consequences for canceling after, after you've declared an emergency? There are zero consequences. None. Nada. Zip. Ain't a one. Thank you very much. Which leads to my final point on the subject. Never second-guess yourself when considering whether it's appropriate to declare an emergency or not. I've had some pilots tell me they worry about declaring an emergency and later discover they misjudged the situation and they didn't have an emergency at all. You know, they're worried about the fallout, the consequences of declaring an emergency when one didn't exist. Well, I'm here to tell you, and this is not my opinion, it derives from several conversations I've had with representatives of the FAA It is perfectly okay to declare an an emergency and then later cancel the emergency if you discover the problem you thought you had was not really a problem. Let me give you an example, just to be clear. Let's say you're flying an airplane with retractable landing gear. You lower the landing gear handle and one of the landing gear indicators shows one of your wheels is not fully down and locked. Immediately, you begin to think about the danger of trying to land with one of your wheels not fully down. So you declare an emergency and request the airport fire department to be on station for your landing. A few minutes later, you run through your landing gear's emergency checklist, and you reach the step where it recommends you raise and lower the landing gear again to try to get all the gear to come down. As you touch the landing gear handle for the very first time, you notice the handle jumps downward a half an inch and clicks into the fully down position. At that point, With no further effort from you, the landing gear that wasn't indicating down immediately shows fully down and locked. All that happened, you realize, is you didn't put the landing gear handle all the way down the first time. It was a simple mistake anyone can make. Given the new circumstances and the new information at your disposal, you realize you don't really have a problem and you cancel your emergency. ATC acknowledges the cancellation. The fire department gets the information as well, and they return to the firehouse, and that is the end of the story. I promise you, there will be no negative fallout from this situation. You won't get beat up by the FAA. There was no violation of any flying regs, and nothing happened that they might even care about. You cancel your emergency, land, and go home like nothing happened. That's it. Does that make sense to you? Have I been absolutely clear so you no longer have any question in your mind about what I mean? If you have any doubts at all, write to me directly at jeff at atccommunication.com. I'll do my best to clear up your questions. And if you raise an issue I forgot to address here, I'll bring it up in the next edition of Radar Contact. 
Speaking of all that, as you can see, this show is driven by questions from pilots. If you have a question or an issue you can't find the answer for at atccommunication.com or in perhaps one of my books, please write to me anytime. We'll hash it out together, and then I'll discuss it in a show, leaving your name out of the discussion. Okay? Okay. And now I have a question for you. It's your question of the week. You are taxiing out to the runway for a practice session of touch and goes and low approaches. When you call for taxi, you said, Rapscallion ground, Piper 405, Echo Lima, ready to taxi from the north ramp and will remain in the pattern. The ground controller acknowledges this and gives you taxi instructions. Next, the tower controller says, Piper 405, Echo Lima, Rapscallion Tower, make left traffic, runway 7, air 4, takeoff. We know from our earlier discussion that you will require a separate clearance from tower prior to each touch-and-go or low approach. Here's your question. Given your initial clearance from tower, after your first touch-and-go, will you need clearance from tower to fly another circuit around the pattern? When you think you know the answer to that question, go to atccommunication.com forward slash answers. There you'll find a complete answer along with a full explanation of how that answer was derived. Music for this show is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com on a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you're flying this week, I hope you have a great time and beautiful weather. And if you're flying before you cross the runway threshold, make absolutely sure you have clearance to land from the airport tower. I'm Jeff Canarish for atccommunication.com saying be well, keep in touch, and fly safe.